Welcome to episode 35 of Tahi Podcast and the last episode of 2023. It has been a great year for both myself and the podcast, where the podcast's all-time top five episodes were recorded in 2023. I can get tens of thousands of listens and views. I thank you for your support. It makes all of this possible. Thank you very much. Now, this episode is a wrap-up of Egypt's. But before getting, getting into it, I apologize for the noise that, despite my editing later would probably be still be audible and no longer in Cairo. I went home for a New Year's Eve. So this episode is a wrap up of Egypt's 2024 presidential election that took place two weeks ago and on which I had uh, multiple episodes. Episode uh, 30, Egypt's microwave election, potential presidential candidates, censorship and reality, which I recorded the moment dates were, were announced for the election. And following that, there was the um, Episode 31, was, which was not exclusively about the election, but I just I shared some thoughts on uh, media and propaganda uh, in regards to the Egyptian state. And then there is episode 33, where I, joined by Ahmed Neda, tried to compile everything that anyone would need to know about the election 10 days before it was set to start. And now that the election is over, this, is, this will be a wrap-up episode in which I'll be breaking down the dynamics of it, as well as shed light on what has changed this time compared to previous elections. There is an interesting figure that has just reappeared in the Egyptian political scene, so stay around for that part. Egyptian uh, researcher and Cairo University MA candidate Ahmed Nada will also be joining me to share some insights. So for the 2024 Egyptian presidential election, turnout announced was at 66.8%. That puts it at about approximately 45 million votes. To put this not turnout percentage into perspective, so in 2014, turnout was at 47.50%, with CC getting approximately 24 million votes. And in 2018, turnout was at 41.05%, with CC getting approximately 22 million votes. So 2014, 24 million. 2018, 22 million. In 2023, turnout was at 66 0.8% and CC got nearly 40 million votes. So it seems as though his, his numbers, that's nearly double what he got in the both previous elections. Or if you would add both numbers together, it would be just a little above uh, 40 million. So his manufactured, quote, manufactured popularity seemed to have doubled. I was in Cairo during the election and I, I'd seen multiple polling stations. I personally do not believe that this many people actually did go and vote. And upon upon thinking that, I thought it was... Um, I thought it might have been rigged. I thought it had been rigged just for the fact that I did not see this many people on the street. I mean, I was out in New York. I was in Cairo during the election, where I live. And um, I've been to multiple polling stations, and I have not seen these numbers, not even close. So upon seeing that, I thought, it's tricked. However, upon having a conversation with my friend, um, Ahmed Nada, I asked him what he thinks about these numbers. So, um,
So a couple of days before the election, I spoke to the uh, to the National News article about the election, and I told them basically that there is a number of parties, political parties, whose modus operandi is to exclusively support the president, the incumbent, CC. Just pro-CC parties, that's their, that's what they do, that's what they've been created for. And some of them don't have seats in parliament, some of them are very, have been created actually after the 2018 election, when I think the state noticed there was a drop in, in turnout, it was about 6% dropout, 2014 was 47.5%. 2018 was at 41.05. So they, re they realized that they need to mm, find more, need to mobilize more people. And one way in which they could do that is through political parties. So um, some have been created, new ones have been created, um, old ones have been revived. And the result was that the result was that now these parties, especially the ones that were created or were revived post-2018 election, started to prove themselves so they could have secure parliamentary seats in the next parliament, and also to prove their loyalty. Um, so I think that was one important factor that contributed to the these huge inflated numbers. Um, to be honest, I don't think it's I don't think it was rigged. Maybe Egyptians abroad votes were. Maybe they might have been rigged because I have not seen them released. They were not released in the press conference of the uh, National Election Authority. So that's something uh, fishy there. So on high turnout, that was my explanation of it. These political parties being um, wanting to prove themselves and also to carry out their duty, their modus operandi, which is to support the incumbent. So that was pretty crystal clear. But before that, some parties like that, Homet al-Watan, uh, Defenders of the Homeland, they have about 23 uh, MPs in parliament. They have 23 uh, seats. And uh, Masr Oktober, they have no MPs. They don't have seats in parliament. And Future of Nation, uh, Mustafa Watan. That's the de facto ruling party, which has about 316 seats in parliament out of 596 seats. So I think these were the... the so these were the three most significant players on the ground that were facilitating everything and providing transportation, perhaps even bribes, and so forth. So now Ahmed will be joining me to talk about the role unions played in this high, extremely high turnout. Regarding unions, and I think that's probably the most significant part in this equation, and which Ahmed Nada told me about, which I didn't think about before. So, Ahmad, welcome to the podcast. So, could you talk about turnout and why you think um, unions contributed to this inflated number? Thank you for having me again. So, in terms of the high turnout, first thing I want to say is one of the most frustrating things in the world to me is how everyone and their grandma is talking about how the turnout is the highest ever, as if the 60s and 50s just didn't happen. But anyway, so the high turnout to me is almost completely about unions and Palestine. When it comes to unions, the unions came out in the highest turnout they've had since, like, Nasser died. We're talking about 80-90% turnout among unions. And when it comes to a population that's almost completely unionized, even the ones that don't have a trade union to speak of specifically, that makes a difference. From my personal experience, when I went to vote, there were buses from pretty much every syndicate that I could name outside my polling place. My polling place only has, like, 4,000 people. So... The unions were a huge driving force. 
even if Palestine was in effect, we would have broken 50% easily. When it comes to Palestine, though, I think that had a double effect. The first effect is that it made people feel like this election meant something, and that if it goes a certain way, we might be screwed. Please ignore my cat. However, I also think that it made Sisi's win inevitable. The, f the first thing you hear, whenever you ask someone, hey, who are you going to vote for? The first thing you hear of 90% of people, people who love him, people who hate him, people who can't stand him, is, well, mm, we can't really have a non-military guy right now, you've got wars on all your borders, blah blah blah, that whole cliche. And I don't completely disagree, but isn't that the army's job? Anyway, all this hegemonic presidency stuff, it's not new, it's not abnormal. You get this in a lot of countries as well, where they go and um, portray the president as this omnipotent figure who has to be completely in tune with everything at once. He has to be like some kind of uh, omnipotent messiah who's uh, who can't delegate anything because he has to handle everything directly, which is also why so many people are worried about having a female president, even though it doesn't make a difference. If anything, maybe a woman would uh, give more of a fuck. Anyway, so in terms of the high turnout, Unions, Palestine. That's my bottom line on that. Also, another way in which the in which turnout was inflated, besides uh, unions and political parties, was the fact that there had been cases of blackmail, disgusting blackmail. So people in the Takaful and Karama program, which is basically a government-funded program that gives out pensions to the elderly and the disabled and those that are in dire need, they were, they were told, which is of course not true, that they would not, that they would stop receiving these stipends and pensions if they do not go and vote for the incumbent. So imagine you go to a 70-year-old woman whose only income is from that program this social solidarity program and you tell her if you don't vote for the incumbent your sole source of income and what keeps your stomach fed or even barely fed will cease to exist or rather would rather be stopped I think this is the peak of I don't really know how to put that towards or in English really it's peak uh, peak exploitation peak another form of blackmail besides the solidarity um, pension um, salary Takafon Karama program was the blackmail of government employees um, so Ahmed could you maybe elaborate on that another factor this was admittedly a minor factor, but it was, like I said, with the nation's future party, this applies to the government too. They are needlessly sus, needlessly shady. They, there were accusations, some of them credible, some of them not. But I don't think personally, at least from what I saw and from what people I know have told me, I don't think it was as widespread a phenomenon. Like we're talking thousands, maybe tens of thousands. Like if it got to a hundred thousand, I'd be surprised. But there were cases where people were blackmailed into voting. The funny thing is that even in the cases that have been proven, they were blackmailed to vote. Not to vote for someone specific. To vote. As if 
the default vote is CC. Why would you vote otherwise? But the um, the blackmail consisted of three different types, from what I've heard and from what's been reported. Blackmailing people through their unions, which was a lot rarer than the unions just taking people on a bus and being like, hey, do you want to leave work early? I have an idea. A lot of it consisted of telling people that they would lose welfare, that they would lose their pension, they would lose certain benefits, maybe that they would be physically harmed, all that kind of stuff. The thing that gets me is when they told people who are old that they would lose their pension if they don't vote, when they haven't even ever applied the 500 pound fine. I would know. My sister doesn't vote. She's never voted in her life. I don't think she knows that she can vote. No, she can. No, she does. She just doesn't care. They don't apply it. So why would they apply it? Like, removing your pension. That's not even legal for the record. But if you're someone extremely poor, someone extremely old, it's easier to vote than to interrogate this and to think, mm, yeah, maybe they're wrong, maybe they're right. Might as well. And that's another thing that drove high turnout. Voting is easy. Voting is extremely easy in this country. We take it for, for granted, but like, you're automatically registered. You're automatically apportioned a polling station. You just go there with your ID and they just hand you a ballot and go, good luck, have fun. The other thing is, if you went to the right polling places, you were paid to vote. I was offered like three different bribes and I go to a polling place in the middle of Dopey, like I think the only pe the only person who wasn't offered a bribe to vote was my dad because he voted in like a club, like a sports club. Huge mistake. We could have had like three chickens. Full disclosure, I did not take a bribe to vote. However, when I asked out of curiosity if they wanted me to vote for someone in particular, they just said, doesn't matter, just vote. Which is a weird strategy. I'm already at the polling place. Why do you think I'm here? But again, needlessly shady. They just, they have to be shady. They, they can't live without doing something really odd and inexplicable. It's also notable to mention that the only independent candidate in this election, Farid Zahran, his campaign workers were effectively and illegally prevented from witnessing the counting process, the votes, vote count, the opening of ballot boxes and vote counting. They were barred from every single polling station in the country, which is in violation of the National Election Authority's rules that they set forth for the election, which doesn't really make any sense. I mean, it does if you're familiar with the different politics, but why set forth rules that you're not going to abide by in the first place? Just go about your day, say that it's a democratic election, which is of course not. So the interesting character that I that I said at the beginning of the episode made a comeback and is now back in the picture. That individual is Muhammad Badran. Muhammad Badran is the uh, founder of Mustaqbal Watan, the Future of a Nation Party, which is, as I said, the de facto ruling party and the biggest one, both in terms of um, parliamentary seats and perhaps even numbers, I'm not really sure. He resigned in 2016 to pursue a PhD in the US and just returned after having acquired his PhD last year. Upon returning, he did not rejoin Mustaqbal Watan or Future of a Nation Party, but rather he joined Masruk Tobar Party as, as their Secretary General, also another pro-CC political party. And they also hold no seats either in Parliament or the Senate, as I just said moments earlier. So Badran, as usual, would shift 
parties, only that this time he would found another party, Sotashab, which means the voice of the people, another extremely ironic name. Another interesting thing that came out of this was the revival of Musaf October, or the Egypt October party. This party existed before. It was just a weird vehicle for Jeanne Madia, Ayman Noor's wife, who is ideologically opposed to him. Whatever, I guess they have an interesting marriage or divorce. I'm not sure what their relationship status is anymore. The party used to exist for no particular reason, but now seems to exist solely to make Sisi happy. And that's... We have about 105-ish registered parties, and that appears to be the niche of about 30 of them. The nation's future party does it better. I'm not sure what they intend to do. Just before the election, about... Well, not just before, but about a year and a half before, Mohammed Badron, the um, nation's future party's ex-secretary general, the golden boy of Sisism, if you can call it an ideology, a coherent one at least. God, it really is just Peronism, isn't it? Just fewer bankruptcies so far. Anyway, Baldron came back after being in the U.S. for a while to do his master's degree or whatever, or his doctorate. I, I don't even sure anymore. It's kind of like everything related to the nation's future party and their ilk. Everything is completely shady and sus for no reason. Anyway, Baldron came back. He left the party for a bit. Then Jan Madia thought that he was taking over, so she kicked him out, and now he, go, he, he works for Egypt's Voice and became their party leader for some reason. What even is Egypt's Voice? I've heard of this party like once in my life before he came, but whatever. So that was kind of weird. You know, one of the big pro CC guys coming back to that party, party becoming extremely pro CC in, um, in the process, and then just leaving. Eh. I'm not sure what he's going to do now. Uh, his new party is irrelevant. Egypt October is irrelevant, but his new party is irrelevant and poor. So I'm not sure what he wants to do, what his new party wants to do, what Egypt October is trying to do. If they get maybe like a couple of appointees in the next Senate, okay, I guess. Cool. But really, they don't really have an ideology. At least the nation's future party has an ideology. It's the party that will fund police so that they tell you to stop calling disabled people disabled. They are differently abled and then will beat the same people up. That's more or less their ideology. Also, their ideology is to take a fuckload of loans, blame people for having kids, and then import more Mercedes EVs. They have a coherent ideology, is what I'm saying. Egypt October's ideology is... They exist in New Cairo. So to sum up, to two ways to make sense of these numbers, especially that of the turnout, is through, as I said, these political parties, whose modus operandi is to support the incumbent, and through unions, as Ahmed Nada elaborated extensively on. So that'll be it. Again, please excuse the passing by Trump. So then again, I thank you for your support. 2023 has been great. 2022 has also been super great. And I couldn't have gotten this far without the listeners all over the globe. I thank you very much. And I promise you that this year, or rather 2024, is going to be the best year for the podcast yet which I also plan to record multiple in-person episodes in Cairo. 
with fellow professors, academics, journalists, and politicians as well. So, both in Arabic and in English. So, stay tuned. And I never really addressed that in any episode throughout the episode, the podcast, 35 long, uh, 35 long uh, episode, long journey. Um, I have not really asked anyone to support the podcast on Patreon. But for now, I would like to, if possible, ask you to consider subscribing to the podcast on Patreon for as low as $2 a month and $20 a year. The link is in the description. And if you're in Egypt, you'll need to use a VPN to be able to access it. It makes a huge difference to have something going because it also funds the podcast. I don't use it to buy groceries. I use it, I directly invest it in the podcast. So your money would be directly invested here, not elsewhere. So, and I'm also considering doing a weekly Patreon only episode if there are enough subscribers on there. So that would be exclusive. I'm still considering about it. Thank you again for listening and for your support. And I wish you a really happy new year. And as always, I'll leave you with a good piece of music. Enjoy. Democrati, 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 Democrati,